Hello, everybody, and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homie. I'm your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to join us today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators, those who help others win at the game of business and marketing. They can include entrepreneurs, small business owners, local business owners. They can also include marketing and business coaches. They can include folks who help others build their businesses. And then on the other side of the continuum, they can include do-it-yourselfers who run your own businesses and love to have your own hands on the marketing levers as you grow your, your business and your brand. If you are one or more of the above, please take a moment, explore episodes, and discover how our experts can help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, check us out on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated, helps us help more business creators like you, and is updated every week. Today, we are very, very honored to have with us none other than Steve Olsher. This is an interview we've been looking forward to for a while, and it's all about how to really actually make money online. Now, here we are in the Business Creators Radio Show. You can guess this is probably a pretty popular topic. So let me just uh, tell you a little bit about Steve before we get started here. Steve Olsher is known as the world's foremost reinvention expert, and he's famous for helping individuals and corporations become exceptionally clear on their what. That is the one thing they were created to do. His practical no-holds-barred approach to life and business, propels his clients towards achieving massive profitability while also cultivating a life of purpose, conviction, and contribution. As a 25-plus-year entrepreneur, Steve is the chairman and co-founder of Liquor.com, an online pioneer who launched on CompuServe's electronic mail in 1993. He is the New York Times best-selling author of What Is Your What? Discover the One Amazing Thing You Were Born to Do. He's the author of the Business Technology Book of the Year, Internet Profits, the world's leading experts reveal how to profit online. He's a creator and host of the very popular event, Internet Profits Live. He's an international keynote speaker and in-demand media guest who has appeared on CNN, Fox Business, and other national outlets. Steve, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, my man. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for joining us. We're very honored by your presence. So before we dive in here, what I'd like to do is, I just read off your official bio, but what I'd like to hear is sort of like, what brought you to where you are today? What passionately drove you to the work that you do now? I know you talk about the the one amazing thing you were born to do, and maybe that's a place to start. Yeah, you know, man, in author land, they say you write the book that you most need. So, I mean, I think that realistically, this has been a question that I've had for my adult life anyway, which is, you know, what is my what? What is it that I'm really created and compelled to do? And so it's been a search, man. You know, it's been a search mm-hmm. for decades. And I'm not going to sit here and say that I've got all the answers, but I certainly have a framework uh, that I use uh, on a consistent basis that helps me. And the same framework has helped tens of thousands of others. So, um, you know, I think really it's just a, a byproduct of making a lot of wrong turns to get to the point where I am now, which, of course, you know, as Dr. Wayne Dyer says, everything that happens in life, no matter how painful, eventually leads us to a place of higher value. And, you know, I mean, that's certainly where I'm at at this moment. And, uh, you know, I, again, I, I think that it's important to note that when I talk about the one amazing thing you were born to do, 
it really should be taken into the context of it's the one amazing thing you were born to do for now. That's very interesting. So what you're telling me is that if we make a decision about what we're supposed to do, we're allowed to change our mind later? Not only are you allowed to change your mind, I mean, I think it's, it's certainly um, it's to be expected, right? I mean, there are three parts to the what is your what framework. Uh, two of them are malleable. I mean, they're, they're, organic, they're organic, they're fluid, they change throughout your life. Uh, one of them is, is more what I would call permanent. I mean, it's more set in stone. It's more an inherent part of who you are. Uh, and frankly, you can't do anything about it other than ignore it if you choose to. Right. Right, 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 right. And and I can tell you that just based on what you're saying here, you know, this is something that touches me very personally because particularly over the past year, I've been on a bit of a quest looking for exactly what it is that I was put here to do or what my one purpose is. And this involves a lot of experimentation, a lot of trial, a hell of a lot of error. And I'm coming from a place where I thought I had it all figured out. And then I discovered that really I didn't have much figured out at all or that maybe I'd reach another point in my evolution where it was time to make a change again. So I went from thinking I had the world by the... Uh, the world by the cojones, if you know what I mean, to suddenly looking at things, everything all over again, discovering that maybe there was a different purpose. And I think that's a lot of our listeners, actually. And I think that's just a lot of people in general. We're told when we're young, in many cases, to decide what we want to do when we grow up. And then if we don't chase that dream without exception to anything at all, then we're looked at as not really being focused or not really having goals. And uh, I personally don't really very strongly believe in that. What are your thoughts? Well, <clears throat> I mean, obviously everyone's got their own perspective and their own uh, sort of judgment system, if you will, and I'm not one to, to say what's right or what's wrong. But, uh, you know, what I do know is that the, you know, the reality is most people uh, will go through life and never be able to answer the question of what is your what at all. And, you know, it's, uh, it's really just the way that our society is, uh, is structured right now, where we're more focused on the, the lifestyle than, you know, really the, the method in which we sustain it. So it's, um, it's not unusual for people to grow, to change, to, you know, to look at different careers throughout their life. But Ultimately, you know, it really does boil down to being clear on how you're naturally wired to excel right. and understanding what's in that DNA, what's in that blueprint, and then how do you apply it and who do you apply it to? So, I mean, those are the three main elements of the what is your what equation, the what is your what framework, where one part is, which, you know, it's kind of A plus B plus Z, C equals uh you know, equals your what. So A in this equation is your gift. I mean, it's, it's really that which is within your DNA. It's within your blueprint. Um, you know, for you, it's, it's probably some form of communication. It might be communication. It might be enrollment. Uh, it might be entertaining. You know, it might be inspiring. You know, something along those lines. Um, but, you know, obviously, I don't know you well enough to be able to tell you exactly right. what that, that, core, that core gift is. But once you are clear on what that gift is, the question then is how you apply it, which leads you to the B part of the equation, which is the vehicle, the vehicle that you use to share that gift with the world. So in the instance where your gift is, let's say, communication, 
then perhaps radio is the vehicle that you use to share that gift. And the last part of the equation, which in my way of thinking is equally important, if not more so than the other two, uh, is, uh, is really all about understanding the people, the people that you're most compelled to serve. And based on what you're doing here with the show, uh, it certainly seems like those people, albeit it's still a fairly broad definition, but it's much more narrow than everyone, right. um, is, you know, you're, you're compelled to serve the, uh, the business owner, right? So yes. if you take those three parts uh, individually, it's powerful. But, you know, frankly, if you just knew that your gift was communication, but you didn't know how to apply it, um, you know, that wouldn't work out so well. I mean, you might be a writer, uh, when in fact you should be doing what you're doing, which is verbal communication through through radio, right? I mean, that's yes. one way to look at it. And then, of course, you know, as far as the people, uh, you know, the people that you're most compelled to serve, uh, if you get that wrong, then, you know, the question becomes, who are you, you know, who are you broadcasting to? And if you're, you know, if you're mostly compelled to help, uh, you know, let's say teens find the right college, uh, well, then clearly a business owner is not the right audience. You know what I mean? Right. So it's, it's very important to be clear uh, on all three parts of the equation. And once you gain that clarity, that's when the magic really starts to happen. This is why I say to all of our listeners on every single episode, not only am I the host, but I'm sitting in the audience next to you with my pen and paper out looking for the slight edge. I mean, I was simply asking my introductory question, and Steve has already given us basically a blueprint for how to look at our business and look at where we can find our success with a lot of great things to consider if you find yourself wondering if you're on the right path or even if you may be on the right path or think you are. Great check-in points, great things to consider is you move towards success and particularly since we're going to be talking about how to actually make money online we see so many people flailing about looking for ways to make money online and i think the reason why many people don't necessarily find the internet riches may have something to do with a lack of purpose or a lack of alignment with their goals their passions and what it is they do very well the intersection of their brilliance and their passion now steve uh we're gonna get into that in just one second uh, but here in the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. A lot of our listeners tell me they have everything to imp- that they need to implement anything that anybody who comes on our show, including you, can share with them, except for time and money. Now, this is a question we ask every expert who appears on our show, and what I like is not only the variety of different answers, but also the variety of ways the question is interpreted. So how do time and money impact what we're going to cover today, which is how to actually make money online. Well, I mean, when, when I hear the question and I apply it to the second question of how does that relate to making money online? Um, it really just boils down to, there are certain things that are proven to work and certain expenditures, if you will, that provide the maximum ROI possible. And online, uh, this, this couldn't be more clear. And the problem is uh, that so many people spend so much time and so much money that, frankly, most of them don't have trying to figure this shit out all, you know, by themselves <laughs> that, you know, you, you get to the point where 
you're really trying to create your own wheel when in fact, you know, you never want to create your own wheel. I mean, you simply want to paint it your own color. So, you know, the idea is just take what's working and apply it to your business in a meaningful way, which means putting your own spin on it. But at the end of the day, you will save so much time and so much money by replicating the actions of those uh, who have already laid the path for you and are basically showing you exactly what to do and how to do it. Right. Right. I think that's fantastic. Now, um, Steve, what do you see as the single most important key for profiting online in today's very competitive environment? As you said yourself, people are looking to invent the wheel rather than paint it their own color. So what do you see as the single most important key for profiting online? Uh, Look, fortunately, there are companies in the tech space that have billions of dollars. Right. And most business owners uh, have trouble getting an M in front of their annual revenue, let alone a B. So why on earth would you not leverage the research and development and tactics that the successful organizations are leveraging on a daily basis? Right. I mean, to to not follow what these guys are doing um, really is just, I mean, it becomes an effort and futility. And the only thing that you're going to gain uh, out of that whole exercise is frustration. So, I mean, really, when you come right down to it, um, it's all about applying what is proven to work to your business. And that goes from the very start where it might be messaging and looking at messaging and how it works. I mean, think about it this way, right? What emails do you open, right? Because we don't open all of the emails we receive. Otherwise we'd never do anything else in our lives. Right. So, but why do you open that particular email? You know, what is it about that subject line that captured your attention? What is, is it about that sender that you feel as though when they send something, you need to open it, right? I mean, there's, there's a certain sort of mentality that goes into that decision-making process without your even making a decision because it's become so ingrained into who you are and how you respond to what you receive that, you know, it becomes instinctual. It's almost like, uh, you know, a caveman and reacting in a way that you can't frankly control. So what are those people doing? What are their subject lines? What, you know, what are they doing as a brand to really capture your attention? And then when you look at their, their websites, how are they structuring their sites? So they move people from being a sort of a, a passive visitor to being an active participant and eventually a, a you know an evangelist because that's that's where the money really lies is in getting your customer base to become evangelists for what you're doing. Right. So you know, needless to say, I mean, we can go through all of the various elements of online marketing and why certain things work and certain things don't. But, you know, frankly, if you don't get the messaging down right, 
then anything that you do in the online space is, uh, you know, is, is frankly irrelevant because you won't have an audience for what you're for what you're doing. Right, 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 right. Well, let's uh, let's get into a little bit how we build that audience. So, how do you attract clients to your products and services and substantially increase your opt-ins? What what is your methodology? You know, it there's a lot of answers to that question. Right. Um, you know, but Adam, I mean, look, we could we could dance on this for the next you know, 12 hours. I mean, that's why I do a three day event, uh, you know, that focuses on best practices from the world's leading experts on, on traffic, on conversion, on positioning, on marketing, et cetera. Um, but um, I think it really boils down to understanding exactly what the pain of your prospect is and speaking to that pain in language that is relatable. And the more you can speak to that pain in a way where it's, it's subtle, the more successful you will be. But, you know, the problem is most people talk about what they have. And frankly, the visitor is not interested in what you have. The visitor is interested in how you understand their plight and you speak their language in a way where you gain their confidence for them to believe that you have the solution to their problem. How do we find out what their pain is? Well, I mean, look, before you get into business, any business whatsoever, you've got to make sure that you understand who you're serving. And the only way to do that is to ask. And as simple as that sounds, it's, I mean, it's the oldest practice since the dawn of man, you know, to, to figure out what it is that someone else needs and give it to them. But like Steve Jobs once said, you know, people didn't know that they needed an iPhone. We had to bring it forth for them to create that interest, that buying interest, and, and then the subsequent need. But, you know, people couldn't, people couldn't tell you that they needed an iPhone because it didn't exist. And couldn't, people couldn't even fathom what that would be. So there's a fine line between asking about what your client or potential client or customer needs and getting clear on what their true problem is, and then designing the solution. So all they can tell you is what their pain is. They can't tell you how to solve it. Right, 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 right. So I guess the next question I have, just thinking this all through here, is uh, you know, once we do attract people, once we figure out who we want to serve, and once we identify some of these pain points, what have you found to be some of the most effective ways? Because now we want to talk about moving people down the line from prospect to customer. What are your, some of your best practices for converting some of these leads to sales? Well, I mean, we're obviously speaking specifically about the online game. Right. Um, and in the online world, there is only one way to get someone to buy what it is that you're selling. And that is about evoking trust, about evoking 
emotion out of what is ostensibly a static relationship. I mean, it's written words. It's uh, you know, it's a video, but it, there, there is there's no two way communication until somebody gets on the phone with you or until uh, you know you may have some sort of inter, you know interactive chat box or something of that nature. So it really is static communication when you come right down to it. So how do you then evoke that trust in what is ostensibly a, a one-way conversation? And the only way you can do that is by establishing credibility, by establishing authority, and by making people aware of your knowledge in the space where you want them to buy your product or service. And that comes in the form of education. So, I mean, the, the fastest, the easiest, the most cost-effective and cost-efficient way to move people from passive visitor or prospect to an active buyer and eventual evangelist is to educate them, is to engage in what my friend Callan Rush calls education-based marketing. Right. And basically what this means is you just add value. You continually demonstrate that you are an expert in that arena and provide them with free content, provide them with free tools, provide them with free resources that basically substantiate your expertise, that give them the confidence to then pull out their wallet and start typing in that credit card number when you say, if you like that, then you're going to love this, right? I mean, it kind of goes back to that old uh, analogy of, you know, it's, it's, it's all about courtship, right? And that's the problem is, you know, online, uh, too often we skip the foreplay, man. And we just, you know, we just <laughs> try to jump straight to it and, all that's going to happen there is, you know, everybody's going to end up disappointed. So it's, just, you know, it's, it's, don't get me wrong. I mean, there, there are ways, and I've seen it done very effectively, where you can get someone to buy something before they even know who you are. Um, but that's pretty few and far between. You have to have a pretty strong reputation coming into the game prior to even putting a, a small, as they call it, a tripwire offer out in front of someone, which is basically a low-cost offer. Right. Right, right. So so overall, do you find tripwires to be an effective way to do it? Because that's something that we've been experimenting a lot here in terms of the funnels we've been building with our clients and some things we've been doing with some of the product launches we've been managing. Uh, what, do you, you know, what do you see as being effective when it comes to this tripwire thing, the specifically because we see a lot of it not only with our own clients but also in a lot of the discussion groups we participate it's a very hot topic these days yeah and you know frankly it's an old discussion right i mean it's it's a hot topic now because it's you know like anything else it's it kind of hit the mainstream if you will in terms of uh in, in terms of people understanding the process and, and really seeing and being wise to what's going on, uh, the, the tripwire uh, is and continues to be a very effective tool. Now, in my way of thinking, it's an effective tool for cold traffic. Um, it's it's not nearly as effective for warm traffic. So, 
from a cold traffic perspective, it's a great way to, to kind of separate the wheat from the chaff. But uh, from a warm traffic perspective, people who know you, people who are familiar with you, uh, ultimately it's leaving a lot of money on the table. Right. Right, right, certainly. I, I can certainly appreciate that. Now, what I'd like to do here a little bit is shift gears because we've been talking about, uh, you know, conversions and what's happening with people on our web pages and things like that. And another age old topic that is timeless, classic, and will never get old, although it will continue to evolve, is SEO. It's something people are talking about all the time. Now, is there a proven strategy that someone can easily implement? to boost ranking? It's probably the number one question I've ever heard. Yeah, you know, the, the only strategy that I would ever recommend uh, as far as SEO is concerned uh, is to put out so much content that your fingers hurt, right? I mean, because <laughs> that's, that's the only way that you're truly going to, to beat the powerhouses insofar as ranking is concerned. You just have to beat them with content. And, and frankly, that's, you know, that's a pretty hard proposition. So, more specifically, you just have to beat them to the punch with relevant content. And the, the question that you have to continually ask yourself as far as SEO is concerned is, number one, you know, what questions are they typing in the Google box, right? I mean, what are they typing in, in the Yahoo box? What are they typing in the Google box? What are they typing in the YouTube box? What are they typing in Amazon? You know, I mean, those are the four primary search engines, if you will. Um, you know, you could argue that there are other engines as well. But, you know, for the most part, that's where the majority of research is done. And so the, the question is, you know, what are they asking? You know, what, how can you phrase what you do in five or six or seven words that reflect the question that your prospect is asking. And if you can weave that question into, you know, you know, depending on how many questions you come up with, you know, let's say there are 10 core questions that you believe that your prospects are asking. The, that question, one of those 10 questions needs to be weaved into everything that you produce. Everything that you produce should have that exact question in the exact wording that you would see a prospect open up Google and, and type in that search term. Now, that is an, an incredibly powerful technique. If you can match it word for word, then you've got a much better chance of, of ranking well. Now, secondarily to that, you want to inundate the the, the public, the net, your site, et cetera, you know, with as much relevant content as you can. So for instance, with liquor.com, you know, if you go to, if you go to Google um, and you type in gin, or if you type in rum, or if you type in vodka or any of those things like, you know, vodka recipes or cocktails made with vodka or those sort of things. Um, I haven't done it recently, but, when we last did it, we were either number one or number two for almost every relevant search term. And that's because we put out so much content about vodka. And number two, we get as many of the vodka brands as possible to link back to our site 
that it's really hard for anyone else to compete with the exception of perhaps one of the biggest brands in the world or uh, a drink uh, drink recipe database that has been, um, you know, highly optimized. But even now, uh, you know, certainly over the past six, eight months, we have been uh, consistently outranking even some of those huge databases of drink recipes. Yeah, while you were saying that stuff, I was just Googling some of these terms like liquor, vodka, rum, and the fact is I was getting those very high in the search rankings. They were getting number two, number three, and these are key phrases that people would think, oh, those are so saturated, and so many other people were talking about liquor and vodka and rum and everything. We could never rank on that, but meanwhile, here you are, you're doing it, and you're doing it consistently. Now, what I noticed is the search results that I were was getting, Steve, were for the categories on your blog that talk about these things. Yeah, I mean, and we hit it everywhere we possibly can, you know, with the blog, in the articles, with the videos, and the homepage. I mean, just absolutely anywhere and everywhere we feed our content with the relevant keywords. And, you know, is this rocket science? I mean, of course not. But the... The strategy that works best for most people is to tackle one term, to tackle one area of focus and really just beat that horse to death, right? I mean, because that's, if you come up with your 10 search terms, you know, I mean, Google will tell you which of the 10 is, is getting the most, you know, uh, you know, queries, right? I mean, it'll right. tell you. So, you know, there are tools that are available that will show you very specifically what people are typing in that box. So when you figure out what that number one query is, that's the one you want to start with. That's the one you want to really beat the horse on. And you can then move from there. But ultimately, you know, most small business owners can't do more than one thing at one time. And you just got to figure out what's going to provide the, you know, the best, the most optimal return on your investment of time, energy, and resources. Right, right. I, I couldn't agree, couldn't agree more with that. So I, you know, I, I really want to appreciate that you explain this to us in terms that I believe are pretty common sense because we're looking for all these algorithms about how to beat the pandas and the penguins and the parrots and every other animal that Google unleashes. And here I am hearing you say a lot of the tried and trues, the things that no matter how many animals they unleash or how wide open they throw the gates of the zoo and it uh, causes a bunch of ruckus, tried and true strategies that will just keep you ranked when you are persistently consistent with them, like blogging on your keyword, beating your keyword to death, beyond being a dead horse, just beating on it, beating on it, and beating on it. And as I said, uh, when I was Googling some of those phrases and some of those words you gave me while you were speaking, I noticed that it was coming up to a section of your website where it was like uh, liquor.com forward slash spirits forward slash vodka forward slash rum and when i looked at that i could tell that that was a wordpress blog function so it, it goes back again to just being persistently consistent with your blogging and focusing on what your key phrase is so i really appreciate you taking the time to disambiguate that for us so uh yeah, you may, go ahead no i'm just gonna say and and you know you can't you can't forget about the power of relevant backlinks 
Right. Um, you know, if if it is a well trafficked site that links back to you, at you know, no matter what Google does to their algorithm, no matter what they release to, you know, to bonus mobile sites or you know any of that fun stuff that they're doing now, there is still power in backlinks, no matter how you slice it. But backlinks from sites that have traffic, so at least once a week, you should be trying to submit an article to one of the larger sites in your industry, just so that not only will you gain the exposure, but so that you'll gain the elevated calculation that somehow, you know, Google puts into that algorithm so that they rank you um, as, as high as, you know, as, as possible given your particular reach and relevance. Right. Now, earlier, Steve, you were telling us about the, the process of converting prospects to customers, and you were talking about education-based marketing and how we gain conversions by educating our audience. So I know that you talk about teleseminars and you talk about webinars. So in what way are these tools that we see thrown about all the time so effective when done properly? And what are some of the best ways to properly leverage teleseminars and webinars towards increasing these conversions? I, I have to say, man, that um, I, I hope that the, uh, the teleseminar is dead, um, but, you know, <laughs> it certainly seems as though it, it's still kind of, you know, hanging out in the, in the trenches there. But, you know, reality to me, man, is if I see another telesummit, on any topic, um, you know, I think that may be the final straw of just getting rid of the phone altogether because, <laughs> you know, it's just it's it's ridiculous, honestly, that people are spending any sort of time or resources on an outdated modality. Now, you know, that said, there are still people who have net zero accounts. So, you know, I mean, we can't we can't criticize too much, but we can recognize that. You know, when it comes to conversion and it comes to education, you know, people want to have a, if they're, if they're buying something online, why on earth would you take them offline and then ask them to go back online? I mean, I just, I just don't get it. You know, I mean, it makes zero sense. The more steps that you put in the way of someone gaining interest in what you're doing and then purchasing your product or service, the more steps that you throw in the middle, the, I mean, the, your conversion rate just plummets with each step. Of course. So, you know, so telesummits and teleseminars and whatnot, um, you know, that, that whole industry I'm hoping is, is really dying uh, because the, you know, people will learn that you just can't sell a $97 course that has 25 interviews because nobody wants to sit through fucking 25 interviews. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just, you know, I mean, that's the reality. So stop trying to, you know, how, how many hours did it take you to create a, a 25 person telesummit series? It, you know, and so you look, you're, you're much better off um, going and putting people in the arena where you want them to dance. And so obviously that's online. Um, if you want them to make a, an online purchase. So with webinars, you know, I, I'm a big fan of webinars, um, you know, most specifically 
Uh, I'm a big fan of automated webinars. You know, I think that webinars on demand um, are underutilized uh, in, huh. in a big way. Uh, you know, there are, you're, you're, you know, Adam, you sound like a, a guy who's pretty entrenched in the industry. I mean, you, I know yeah. before we started uh, chatting here, you talked about Gary and, you know, Gary Henderson is going to be speaking at uh, Internet Profits Live. And I'm sure yep. we know a lot of the same people and, yes. and whatnot. So you're, I mean, you're pretty entrenched in the industry. And so, you know, what we think is, is sort of passe or old hat is still uh, new, especially when you look at the emerging markets. I mean, let's, even if you, if you take the states out of the equation and you take North America out of the equation and you just look at the rest of the world, whether it be South America, even Australia, uh, Europe, Asia, you know, et cetera, there is everything that we think is old and passe is still so very new to, I mean, literally billions of people uh, across the globe. And so an automated webinar, one done properly, you know, you talked about leads and opt-ins and conversions. You know, one of the, one of the most successful funnels that I've seen uh, in the past year or so uh, is uh, a friend of mine uh, who is uh, one of the teachers at Internet Profits Live. He is, he's going to be talking specifically about the automated webinar. Um, and their process is pretty counterintuitive because they go straight from opt-in to an invitation uh, to join someone for further education on a webinar, and it's all automated. And then at that webinar, they sell into a $2,000 product. Wow. And, you know, in 2014 alone, they generated almost $3 million in sales in that funnel. And so, you know, it's, it's ridiculously counterintuitive um, but, you know, the, the reality is that as much as we talk about education-based marketing and how you, how you have to cultivate that relationship, there's still a small percentage of the population that doesn't need the foreplay. I mean, that just simply wants to get to what you've got and they want to get to it as soon as you got it because they have the need now. Right. So, you, you know, it's, so for you to delay their receipt of your knowledge or for you to delay the offering of that product or service, um, frankly, it only ends up doing you a huge disservice for that customer who's ready to buy. So the only way you're going to know is if you put something forth. Right. I think that's very interesting. And you raised a couple of points that are in some ways counterintuitive to things that I've seen before. Now, whether or not telesummits are effective these days is a very interesting debate. And I know people on both sides of that. There just seems to be some real passion about it. I know people who have built their businesses on telesummits almost exclusively. And I know those that won't even take your call if you ask them to be on a telesummit because they don't want to be on a smorgasbord with 28 other people. They just do not view it as a valuable use of their time. So I can't say what's right and what's wrong. But one thing that really captured my attention here is in your expression of hope that teleseminars in general are a dying mechanism. Uh, is this because when you attend a teleseminar, you start by registering online, then you have to pick up a phone call to be on a teleseminar where you're going to be told to go back to a website and do something? Is that the reason why? Exactly. And not only that, but just it's just like a website, man. When you think about how intolerant we have become as a society for 
any sort of delays in, uh, in, in load time, right? I mean, when's the last time you went to a site and if it didn't load within a second, you know, you, you X'd it out and you went somewhere else? You know, I mean, it, it's <laughs> something that we all do and we're so spoiled at this juncture. Right. Um, and it really just boils down to the notion of, you know, look, we have technology, let's use it. And one of the expectations is, you know, people, people don't want to look at poorly produced content, whether it's a, a book or whether it's a video or, you know, whatever it might be that you're asking someone to consume, if it's produced poorly, it reflects badly on the producing party. And teleseminars reflect badly on the presenting party because the audio quality is so bad that it's like, what year are we living in that we can't get a clear connection? And, and right. unfortunately, you know, and unfortunately, that's what happens with 98, 99% of all teleseminars is we're still sound like we're talking out of tin cans. Right. Right. That, that's very true. I mean, one thing that we pay a lot of attention to here on the Business Creators Radio Show is the quality of the sound when we send it up to iTunes. Uh, we recognize there's some, there's some of our broadcast platforms because we broadcast it through multiple platforms. To an extent, we're a prisoner of their quality standards, but we deal with that because there's huge syndication about behind that that gets us lots of listeners and lots of downloads. But, I mean, even right now, uh, when we're doing this interview... I mean, I have you running through a high-quality Skype connection on a very fast internet connection because I recognize the importance of that sound. And as far as teleseminars, uh, you know, I tell people all the time, use something like Instant Teleseminar where you can offer them a webcast so they can listen to it online. And every single time we test this, every single time, we go anywhere from double to triple the amount of live listens and we would have gotten whether when people were just on the telephone. It's just something about that uh, to back up your point in a way that uh, even if you're offering teleseminars, you will double or triple your conversions by offering them a way they can do it through their computer because people just don't want to be on the phone. Like I personally, I don't own a telephone per se. I mean, I have a smartphone, which I keep turned off except when I'm actually using it. But as far as my business, I have a I have a toll-free number that routes to my Skype. I, I mean, if you look at my desk, there's hasn't been a phone on it for years. I'm speaking to you right now through a headset. And that's yeah. where people are. Yeah, and, and that's, uh, I mean, it's really a function of meeting people where they are. Right. right. Because if you ask someone to go too far ahead of their curve, or if you ask someone to go too far behind in their curve, it doesn't work. Right. You know, it's just like if I've been driving a Tesla and now all of a sudden you want me to take a leaf, you know, I, I'm, it, it's going to be, it's going to be laughable. Right. I mean, zero <laughs> yeah. to 60 and two in 2.8 versus zero to 60 and 45.3. You know, I mean, it's like, it, it just, there's no comparison. And so at the same token, if I'm driving a leaf and all of a sudden you want to put me in a Tesla and that thing snaps my head back because I hit the accelerator and it actually goes, you know, that's going to result in nothing but pain. And that's going to be a poor experience on the flip side. So, right. you know, I think ultimately, you know, look, I, I'm maybe I'm sounding like an arrogant fuck here. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, the reality is that, 
you know, for me, a teleseminar is an antiquated modality that people do not need to be using and shouldn't be using. That And again, that's a very interesting thought process and a very interesting way of looking at it that I'm going to open my eyes in some ways uh, and giving me a new thought about, you know, what are the modalities that people are using and also what speed are they at? You know, you raise an interesting point. I mean, I'm on about my fifth or sixth car since I started driving. And every single time I get another car, whether I buy one or I lease one, the new car always has something new that I didn't have before. And But I'm never going to do without that again. I mean, when I graduated from crank windows to power windows, I'll never do crank windows again. When I graduated from not having a sunroof to having a sunroof, well, I'm not going to do without a sunroof ever again. Uh, keyless entry, um, having the GPS in the dash. I mean, I when I went to lease a car last year, um, I, I wouldn't even look at a vehicle that did not have GPS in the dash. It just didn't exist for me because the convenience yeah. I get from that and the level of safety it gives me for being on the road. That and having the entire car function as a Bluetooth speakerphone when I make calls in the car so I don't have to so I can be hands free and I can still be legal while I'm on the telephone in the car. Um, if it I mean any vehicle any I mean cuz yeah, and I got and I leased my vehicle it was a friend of mine actually who worked at a dealership who hooked me up with my with my current Mazda 6 Touring edition but I wouldn't even look at a car that didn't have these things because I was used to having them. Yeah, and that doesn't make you arrogant. That doesn't make you a difficult customer. That doesn't make you anything other than someone who knows what he wants and he's not going to consume anything else. So, you know, there's, there's no arrogance and there's certainly no shame and no reason to apologize for not wanting to go backwards. And, you know, look, there are still people who will use technologies that others may look at as being outdated. And it's not for us to say whether or not they're right or wrong, but it is a function of understanding who your customer is and how they want to be served. If that dealer tried to sell you a car or lease you a car, that didn't have the features that you wanted, you would not be a customer. It's just as simple as that. Right. Right, right, right. I I remember when I was going to buy my first car when I was 17 years old, and I went to this high-pressure dealership, and I was there with my dad, and we looked at a Ford Mustang, and we we took it around the block once or twice, and, uh, and then all we got from that point was excruciating high pressure tactics to try to try to get us to drive out of there with that Mustang. And I think where what the dealer missed was for some reason they're not getting the Mustang. Maybe we need to ask other questions like what kind of car would get them today's business? Because we were in a buying yeah. mode, but we walked out because I drove the Mustang. I thought it was a nice car, but it wasn't nice in the sense of, oh, yes, all this money I've been saving up, uh, working my ass off with these part-time jobs. I want to put it all on this car. I wasn't there. But they could have yeah, had my business and- that day, but they were so fixated on, we got to move this Mustang instead of thinking, we have a customer here to serve. What does this customer need? What does this customer want? What will this customer respond to when we make an offer? Yeah, and it's a phenomenal uh, analogy. You know, it really is a phenomenal analogy because when you come when you come right down to it, it's you know it it 
exactly as you said. I mean, you here you are, a ready, willing, and able buyer who is, I mean, you're being pushed into a situation that makes you uncomfortable. Right. And because you were pushed into that situation, you opt to make no decision at all, which means you don't take the action that they intended for you to take or that you intended for you to take. And so, you know, it's, it's a lose-lose scenario when all they had to do and let's just use real real life examples here. If I keep telling you to go on to a teleseminar and I don't want to spend an hour on the phone, I'm not attending that presentation, no matter how many times you ask. Right. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you're absolutely correct about that. And uh, on the one hand, there's being persistently consistent and making sure that you give people ample opportunity to take you up on that chance to be on the teleseminar. On the other hand, uh, if there's a fundamental reason why somebody's not going to go on a teleseminar, then it's just not going to happen. Like, for instance, uh, Steve Olsher's on my list. Uh, you know, if I tell my list I'm hosting a teleseminar next week, I can count on one, I can count on two things right now from what it sounds like. Number one, the sun will rise in the east and number two the steve ulcer will be doing something else on that date and time am i right uh yes yeah you are right now all of that said if there is no other option on god's green earth and it is something that without a shadow of a doubt i absolutely have to have that somehow it will affect my life if I don't get it, and in this case, we're talking about knowledge. Like, let's say, you know, you get Elon Musk on the line, and for whatever reason, he wants to do a teleseminar, right? So in that case, you just have to ask your audience a different question, which is, if Elon Musk would be a guest on my show, and the only option was to do it via teleseminar, would you tune in, you know, I think you'd get a very different answer, a very different response, because ultimately there are variables. But when you take 99% of the variables out of your favor, the odds of converting that person into taking the action you want them to take, if only one of those 100 variables meets your, you know, their, their criteria you know, it's you've drastically reduced the possibilities of seeing the type of return, uh, you know, that you that you want to see. But at the same token, like I said, there is that one percent chance. So, you know, it's it's just really a, simply a matter of asking the right questions. That's also another great way of looking at this, because we also don't want to get too stuck on the form. I mean, who knows? Maybe we do get Elon Musk on the Business Creators Radio Show. That would be exciting if we could do that. I mean, we've had some luminaries on this show before. I can name some names of some very prominent folks who have spent an hour with us. And that's just fantastic. But if the only way I could have Elon Musk is uh, from his cell phone while he's riding in a limousine to his, uh, to his golf stream, that's how we're going to get them. That's just how it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I know I'm sounding uh, like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth right. here, but ultimately what I'm saying is the odds of your 
getting your prospect to take the action that you want them to take are greatly enhanced, greatly increased when you ask the right questions. And in this case, in today's market, and I know we're, we're I mean, talk about beating the horse. We're beating this horse to death. Man. Yes. Uh, but, you know, but in today's market, you know, the teleseminar is if you give someone the choice of do you want to see this online, listen to this online as a webinar or as an MP3 or whatever it might be that you can record and take with you or to do it as a teleseminar, you know, which would you choose? It's just simply a question um, that you really should be asking. Now, five, ten years ago, that wasn't even a question. It was a teleseminar. Right. So now we just have to ask different questions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I remember back in the day when these uh, webinars were newfangled things and only the elite could even get access to the technology to host a webinar. And even then, it was so clunky and esoteric. Good luck getting the darn thing to actually work. You needed a full-time employee just to make it work. And now, as far as webinar technologies, take your pick. I mean, do you want to you wanna do a Hangout and link Webinar Jam to it? Do you want to do GoToWebinar? You want to do Cell Seminar? Take your pick, whatever you like. Yeah, I mean, if you really want to have some fun here, I was actually just listening to a recorded teleseminar um, from someone who I very much admire, Steve Harrison. Yes, um, good and man. Steve and his brother Bill, yeah, great guy. Uh, you know, but they've been using teleseminars forever. Uh, and I was just listening to a recorded teleseminar that he put out. I don't even know what the year would have been on it. Um, but, you know, he, the structure was basically if there were questions, uh, he had to run through the operator to control the board to say, operator, can you please, you know, connect the next, you know, connect the next caller? And it was just kind of like, you know, I mean, honestly, it was, um, it was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's going back in the day. Another friend of mine uh, used to own a company that managed teleseminars for people like Steve Harrison. It's possible that either my friend or one of his competitors, who I also know, was the person operating that switchboard. Because not so long ago, that's how it was. If you hosted a teleseminar, you had your board operator managing the sound and also cueing the people in. Then comes along instant teleseminar where you just hit star two and you cue yourself in. So the technology catches up and it's just a matter of meeting people on their own modality yeah yeah exactly so uh good quality fun man you know but uh at the same token uh, the, the the takeaway really here I, I hope for for you mr or mrs listener um is that there are still opportunities uh, across the board for you to meet people where they are you just have to understand what it is that they're looking for and how they wish to consume what it is that you're offering. Because, you know, at the end of the day, it's not really for you to say anyway, uh, you know, what it is that, uh, you know, that you want to be putting together. You, if you put something together before you've got validation that you even should have it in existence, uh, you've just taken, you know, a turn towards bankruptcy much and you'll get there much faster than you could possibly imagine. Because, you know, with the way that you can do market research today using the available tools, I mean, you know, Facebook itself, I think more than anything is a, is a research tool. I mean, I think you know that, man, at, at yes. this stage that before you would launch anything, just find out if there's six people in the world who meet the criteria that you're setting, right? And then if you are, you know, put a Google AdWord, you know, campaign together or a Facebook ad campaign together for 10 bucks 
and see if you get any any response to it. You know, so it, really your audience will tell you if they're buyers, they just can't tell you what they need. That That's the delineation. Right, 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 right. Well, believe it or not, we've been having so much fun here that we're down to three minutes before our operator cuts us off. This has been a fantastic interview, and you've really opened my eyes, and I think we have a lot of people in the audience who may be thinking they need to look at their business a different way. Now, what I'd like to do is I'd like to just give you a minute or two. Tell us a little bit about this event, and also, do you have a gift for us? I think you mentioned you had something that uh, we could grab right away if we were interested. Yeah, so, you know, the event, it's, uh, it's called Internet Profits Live, and we've done it now uh, since 2012. This year's event is May 15th through the 17th in Los Angeles. And basically, it's a very unique event because it's implementation-based. It's not an event where you're going to go home with a book full of notes that you'll do nothing with. We implement in real time today's best strategies for profiting online. But it's a multi-faculty approach to learning and teaching, uh, where in the past we've had people like Brendan Burchard and Mike Sostame and Armin Morin and Vishen Lakani and Pat Flynn and Jason Van Orden and I mean, I can go on and on and on with the 44 teachers that we've had to date right. so far. Um, and this year's event, I mean, we've got amazing teachers like Lewis Howes and Mario Brown and Alex Mandosian and Russell Brunson and Joel Kamm and, you know, many, many others. There's 15 teachers in total. Uh, but what we do is we teach and we implement. We do structured networking. You have a chance to meet all of the presenters. And it's three days of full-on immersion into what's now, what's new, and what's next. And, you know, I'd love to invite people to join us in Los Angeles. And as a listener of the show, uh, you know, Adam asked if I could do something, you know, for you guys. And I'm happy to actually have you there as my guest. So, you know, if you go to Internet Profits Live, that's P-R-O-P-H-E-T-S Live.com, you can pick up a, a ticket that if you get it before the 5th of May, it's a $697 ticket. Uh, you can grab that for free if you enter promo code GUEST OF STEVE in all caps guest of Steve as the promo code uh, at checkout. If you wait till after the fifth, uh, prices go up, but if you get it before then, uh, you know, it's a $697 ticket. Well, I appreciate that offer. Um, I also want to just mention this will probably be available long after May 5th. So real quick, do you have something if somebody's listening after May 5th? Yeah, and so what you can do is you can grab a free copy of the Business Technology Book of the Year, which is Internet Profits, the World's League Experts Reveal How to Profit Online, and you can grab a free copy at internetprofits.com. That's P-R-O-P-H-E-T-S dot com forward slash free. So internetprofits.com forward slash free. Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to check that out myself. So once again, uh, Steve Olsher, thank you so much for making time to be with us today. As I said, this has been quite an experience and an education for all of us, and we're honored. Thanks for having me on, man. Everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and also on iTunes, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.